0: Amen. Last week, I shared a little bit of a, a snapshot of of a moment with Jesus and his boys, all right? And the disciples, they were kicking it right in that in that last room the night before he was he was he was bet, uh, betrayed and the night he was betrayed but the day before the night before he was crucified on a cross, beaten down, crucified on a cross, all right? And so they, they were all kicking back in this room, all right? And I just kind of want to open that up a little bit more because I want us to go deeper with exactly what he told us to do right there from that instant. So If you could picture in your mind and you remember, here are these guys. They've been hanging out with Jesus for three years now. All right, some of them were there when they were following that dude, John the Baptist, who had all the really cool teachings and everybody was following him and it was this really big deal. And, would, and, then, and then all of a sudden they're like, this guy's got all the answers. And he's like, no, this guy's got all the answers. And he points to Jesus. He says, that's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's who you need to be following. So they went to go follow him. They started hanging out with him a little bit. All of a sudden recognizing this guy's got some stuff going on. There was this wedding all day, they ran out of wine. No problem, man, boom. Water turned into wine, no big deal, man. For Jesus, right now he's cruising along. They're recognizing people that have infirmities and are sick and disabled. One guy had a withered hand. Jesus told him stretch it out. Now, that's kind of cruel. Now the dude did it, and boom, there he goes. Next thing you know, man, he's writing, doing cursive. It's crazy, all right. And so there's another cat, all right. He couldn't walk. He's been sit, you know, been sit down. They'd sit him. His friends would drop him off different places, and then Jesus said, no, nah, dude, you don't need friends dropping you off. Get up, pick." up your mat, start walking, again, wow, it's kind of cruel, Jesus, not for, not knowing. this is Jesus, picks it up, starts walking, another cat, he can't see, he can't see nothing, he's blind, been blind since birth, Jesus says, no problem, <laughs> spits in the dirt, puts it in his eye, you can see, all right, here's mud in your eye, all right, anyways, all right, and so, I mean, they're seeing all this crazy stuff, and he's teaching like nobody teaches, man, He's teaching like, you know, he has authority over this word and teaching. And he's tripping people out. And here they are, man, three years later, and they're, and they're in this room. And they're constantly struggling with like, who's better and who's not better? Who's stronger? who's And they're just, and they're just looking for this power again, this power in this presence. And Jesus, I believe, just recognizes that they, they've seen, with everything they've seen, they're like, okay, let's bring it. Power, more power, more presence. Let's show these people what this is about. And Jesus said, let me show you what it's about. And he got on his knees and he washed their feet. He served them. They freaked out a little bit, but he did it anyways. He broke some bread and he says, check this out. My body's going to be broken for you. Remember, he poured out some wine. He says, my blood's going to be spilled. I'm going to die for you. Remember. And he's got them all tripping. He's got their whole power trip just turned upside down. And he says these words right here. And we, and we shared this last week, but stay with me. Father, Is your word, Lord God, guide us. In John chapter 13, verse 34, we catch up with the scene. He says, a new commandment I'm gonna give you. Been talking all kinds of stuff. He says, a new commandment I'm gonna give you. You love one another. I mean, they're ready to receive some power. They actually got sent out to go cast out demons one time, right? And they're like, yeah, this is cool, man. They are all happy because, you know, it was happening. Then other times it wasn't happening. Why isn't it happening? Where's all the power? Because I'll show you where the power is. This is a new commandment I give you that you would love one another. He's talking to the church, man. He's talking to you and me. You're also to... He says, he says, just as I have loved you, just as I have loved you, and in continuing to love you, as I have loved you, you're to love one another. Who in this room right now do you have the hardest time loving? Whoa. We're going to put a microphone around. Could you bring that mic up, please? Yeah. It's a- <laughs> He said, as I loved you, I want you to love one another. Look at it, and then he says this, man. He says, here's, by this, people will know that you're my disciples, if, big word right there, if you love, you have love for one another. Not because you have this big sign that says the church, or you have this cool stage and music and this freak up there yelling his head off all the time. No, that's not Why? It's not not by that you're going to know, by the way you love each other. That's how people are going to know. Our greatest witness to this world, our greatest witness of Jesus Christ is the love that we have for one another in Jesus Christ. His love, I'm gonna give you a statement here. His love for us causes our love for him. You're like, what? Remember he said, we love him because he first loved us. John chapter four, all right? First John chapter four. His love for us causes our love for him. And that love demands that we love one another. And in love, we we, we do this life right here, this life, this this walking around daily life. In love, we do this life together for his glory. And that's what an unbelieving world is dying to see, literally, dying to see. Jesus is here to make you the hero of, of the story. The ultimate hero, but he's saying, this is how they're going to know, man, by your love for one another. I shared last week this quote, and check this out. I got to share it again. Our greatest cause of ineffectiveness in this world, on this planet, is our lack of unity, is the church's lack of unity, which stems from, 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 from a lack of obedience, which is a result of our lack of love. I don't know if anybody ever heard of C.S. Lewis. All right, wrote some amazing books, apologetics, uh, wrote some uh, different book, uh, biographies and, and fantasy books. Ever saying the, 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 uh, the uh, Chronicles of Narnia, all right, wrote that whole series, Mere Christianity, Screwtape Letters, all kinds of crazy stuff. And one time he's kind of describing a scene that actually led him to this book, The Screwtape Letters. And I'll share a little bit more about that in a minute. Where he was walking into church, man. He's walking into church, and he's like, he's like walking in there, and the dude at the at the door, uh, he's the local butcher, butcher of the town, right? He still had, he said, he still had blood on his hands, like stained on his hands, when he's handing me the hymnal as he's walking in. But he had a real big smile. He looked to be have a genuine smile. Here's his hymnal. You're like, blood, really? <laughs> He says, see, walks into the congregation and he's like, ah, oh, he was actually already given the, ah, oh, right, look at his watch already. Here we go. Poorly tuned organ. Not great music. Bad breath, too close talkers. All right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, and there's, and there's people are singing completely out of tune as well. A preacher that might have some biblical points and might not. Here we go. And he sat down next to a lady named Mrs. Green who was singing, praise the Lord, man, with with, with all her might, but way out of tune. And about 10 minutes after the service starts, her husband comes in and his mind is thinking after a whole night of gambling, he's gonna come in late and walk over everybody who was on time just so he could sit next to his wife. And he's just looking at the gathering. Of people, and then he thought to himself, "Here I am. I got some quotes from here. I am at the gathering of the body of Christ, and every thought and feeling I have is smug and conceited." He said, "Wouldn't the devil be quite pleased?" He looks at the crazy collection of people, and he says, "People got hardly anything in common." They're not here because they have things in common. They're not here because they like the same music. They're not here because they all work at the same place or even because they have the exact theological views of everyone across the aisle. That's why they're here. They're here because they want to pursue this love for Jesus and that Jesus has for them. He goes, what did I expect when I, when I was looking for the body of Christ? This is the body of Christ. What did I expect to see? You know, perfect people singing completely into tune, in tune knowing every theological fact on point as it is. He goes, if that was the case, I wouldn't belong here. Somebody once told me, man, hey, if you're looking for the perfect church, be careful because if you find it, don't join because you'll ruin it. <laughs> That's what he said. Lewis thought seriously how he had been given into the temptation to think that he was better than some of the people in that room. And as he did, this idea of a story formed. It was this book, the Screw Tape Letters. I don't know if you ever read this. It's a pretty interesting book. It's where one demon is talking to another demon. You're like, wow, how's that interesting? Well, it, it, it is in the fact that he's like he's showing how how maybe and that's not a you know total theological, but there is some there's some definite there's some definite substance here how uncle uncle screwtape demon is talking to his nephew uh, wormwood demon and telling him how to how to how to influence his 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 person the person he was assigned to and how to keep the believer from growing in his face faith he, he says here he says here's here's one way i'll put this up there here's here's one way to treat your patient the devil teaches cause him to look at the people around him but don't let him see the person Get him to focus on the little things that bug him and make him feel superior. He says, before long he'll be put off by the body of Christ. He'll be cut off from the rest and the and the body uh, of the body and unable to worship God. You see, Lewis had given in to that temptation. And he knew that others have too. And I believe I've given into that temptation, and maybe some of you have as well, a temptation. And he realized that, yeah, there's old hymns, some of them even poorly written, singing out of tune. Yeah, I get it. But the heart of the guy that handed him the hymnal, the heart of Mrs. Green sitting next to him, just singing with everything she's got. The heart of that dude over there was those weird looking boots on. And he realized if I continue in this, he says, I'm not even worthy to wash that guy's boots. Is he? Jesus' love, his love for us, causes our love for him. And that love demands that we love one another. And so many times I see us pursuing more and more. There's so many of us here that we're studying the scriptures, and rightly so. We should be studying the scriptures, and we're looking for more insight and more insight and more enlightenment and more enlightenment. And yes, we should, but have you done the first thing he said to do? Love his church. You see, I truly, I was reading, actually I read a little thing of Oswald this morning where he says, man, you know what? More enlightenment, more understanding comes when you obey what he already told you. When you obey what he already told you. If we try to bypass this and bypass this so I can get into this deeper stuff, good luck. Because I believe you're creating a monster. His love for us causes our love for him. We recognize that, but do we understand that it demands that we love one another? Some of you say you talk a lot, a lot about this, right? Are you going to teach any other sermons? No. I'll preach get it right and we'll preach something different. All right? Let's all get it right together and we'll preach something different. Praise the Lord. We need to talk on purpose, live with, with with purpose and purposely be his church, his church, this one church, this together church, amen? This is where it leads us back into Ephesians chapter three. We're in this series kind of going through the book of Ephesians, not exhausting verse by verse, but taking huge subject by huge subject. We're in Ephesians chapter three, verses 14 through 21. If you wanna turn there, Pastor Blake, I, also, I love the way he just read that. During the, during our sermon, our our our, our time of, of of just coming close, man, of getting closer. I just love the way he read that, but let's just open this up just a little bit. Ephesians chapter three, verse 14. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Because the, for this reason, I bow my, because of the oneness that he says that, I'm, that, that I recognize in the church, because I see that there doesn't need to be a Jewish church and a Gentile church, this church and that church, because there just needs to be one church that is his church, and that's it. He says, I bow my knees before the Father. Whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And when people get that twist. They're like, wait, wait, is he talking about every family? Look at, uh, pay attention. The father by whom every family is named. What family? The father's family. Before you have a family, you gotta have a father. The whole family mentioned there has to be the father's family, those who call him father. Those who have been adopted through the redemption of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, the resurrection of our great God and King, those who have received the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ are his. That's the whole family, past family, present family, and even future family. That's what he's speaking of right here. But my question, you know, is when we look at this and, I, and, I'm, and I mean, we think, okay, well, how do we know, you know, if we're family or not? Because you know what, man? Here's what I know, man. Some of us have a really, really poor examples of family. And some of us have had some amazing examples of family. Guess what? You guys need to get together. You guys need to get together as we pursue the head of our family, which is our father, our great God and king. Amen. The whole family is named after. And I love when they, when uh, Chris, Pastor Chris and Sandy are, are teaching this merit class and they draw this just triangle, right? And they say, God's up here. you over here. Your spouse is over here. And here's what's happening. The closer you get to God, the closer you start getting to one another. Our pursuit in Christ, our pursuit of Jesus naturally and spiritually and even physically brings us closer together. Our question is, do we have our arm out? This is what he's he's speaking against. We're either family or we're not family. And I know the question, how do we know if we're being family or not, right? There's a question. How do we know if we're being family or not? I think we can begin with, are we exhibiting the love of Jesus for one another? The sacrificial love. You know, so when you think of how do we know if we're being a family or not, I want to challenge you with a better question. How far will you allow your love to take you? There's a guy, Majid El-Shafi. all right? Majid al-Shafi. You probably never heard of him. You probably don't know of him. Maybe some of you have. All right, he founded basically One Free World International. It was an organization, all right, that was supporting, uh, you know, uh, basically just trying to restore uh, humanity, you know, and, and rights into those who felt like third, fourth, fifth class citizens, if citizens at all. He was speaking for persecuted people around the world. And he would work to persuade world leaders, all right, for, for, for change in how they treat Christians around the world, how they treat women, and how they treat minorities. That was his work. He was born into a, a very political Egyptian family. And so what he tried to do because of that, all right, he, he you know, he, he, he was, he, he tried to basically work to, to uh, to bring the two together, man, you know this, you know the you know reform, this 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 political reform and the, and the and the current Egyptian politics, but because he was a Christian, they weren't listening to him, and they and and actually because he was a Christian and he wasn't of the of the local faith uh, belief, they started to persecute him, and 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 mem when he would not give up, his fellow Christians, his family, his brothers and sisters, well they. They arrested him and condemned him to death. He wouldn't give up his family. His love took him farther than I believe. Uh, Crazy, he was expressing this command of Jesus. You see, when he still lived in Egypt, the police broke into his house and they arrested him. And they took him to this prison that was literally, I can't pronounce the name of the prison, but the, but the, 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 uh, the nickname for the prison was Hell on Earth. And for about you know seven days, they 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 tortured him, and they were burning him and scalding him with hot irons, just telling him, "Give up the names of the other Christians, you know, that are they're back over back back where you're at." And he wouldn't do it. They said, "All right, we're going to bring in the dogs. All you got to do is give up the names of those people in that audience right there." Wouldn't do it. You see, he had, He it was some of these people he had founded a couple of underground churches some Bible schools, even a newspaper that was kind of going crazy. Kind of dude, put in all kinds of publications. He wouldn't do it. He said, we're bringing in the dogs. They brought in not just regular dogs, but just these trained killer German shepherds, right? And Majid, he, he said, well, when they, when they, that night they told him they were gonna bring him. He said that he prayed and asked the Lord to just, to just let him die that night before suffering what these dogs were gonna do to him. All he had to do was give up his family. The next day, man, they bring in the dogs. Mahjid puts himself back into a corner, crouches down and just covers his face. As the dogs come in, an amazing thing happened. They stopped right there. And they just sat down and looked at machine. One of the guys said, these dogs are sick. What's wrong with these dogs? And they were just, they were commanding them to attack. Every other time, they, 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 they would attack, but these dogs would not attack. They said, well, go get the other dogs. There's something wrong with these dogs. They brought the other dogs in, and they told them, attack. And as they came in, the same thing. They sat down. One of them got up and went and licked Masjid's face. What? An officer came and said, Masjid, we'll give you anything you want if you would just give up some names of some of these Christians. Masjid said, okay, but I'd like to eat first. They said, okay. Make him some, they made him shish kebab that night. And after he was done, they were saying, okay, well, what are the names, Majid?" He said, you know, there are so many to list. He says, how about if I just give you the leader? I'll give you the leader. He knows all the names. He knows all their names, man, and I can't remember all their names. He says, I'll give you the leader. They says, okay, give us the leader. They says, his name is Jesus Christ. If you can catch him, catch him. So he told him. Praise the Lord. Well, that didn't go over too well. Uh, They beat him. They slashed open his Shoulder and poured salt and lemon in it. And then they hung him upside down on a cross for two days. He passed out. They took him down. They put him in like his makeshift hospital bed. And then they condemned him for the death penalty to take place within four days. And they placed him on house arrest because he wouldn't give up his family. Some of these people, he didn't really even know. Well, guess what? Some of them decided to break him out. And these Christians that he would not give up came in, armed to the teeth, busted down the doors, broke Majid out, got him out of the country, and today he's in Canada, all right? Still doing what he's doing. Ain't giving up his friends, but he'll give you the leader, no problem. Praise the Lord, amen? pretty wild. How far will you allow your love to take you for the family? You see, his love for us causes our love for him, and that love demands that we love one another. Check this out. Verse 16 says this: that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. That strength that Majid mustered up in those times was not because he was a well-trained fighter or well-trained whatever. All right, it was because of the spirit of the living God that. And lived deep within his bones and he would just, that the power that he depended on through faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. He says that then Paul is here, is praying for us to recognize and understand that strength. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love, that you, he's already assuming that we're not a church that has problems with one another. He's already assuming that we are taking to heart Jesus's command to love one another as I have loved you being rooted and grounded in love. I love this idea of being rooted and grounded in love. I don't know, uh, you know, I share with you a couple of times about aspens. There's, there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's a grove in Utah. It's called the Pondu Aspen uh, Grove. And it's over 40,000 aspen trees. It's beautiful, especially at this time of year as they're changing colors. It's an amazing thing to go see. We got it right up the road here. We, this is no, we're no stranger to this. But what was amazing is that all there, although there are 40,000 trees, they've discovered it's all one tree. 40,000 trees, it's all one root system. 40,000 trees. And they believe that that, and then there's still more popping up, yeah, and there's danger because of fires and all that other stuff, yeah. But you know what? They believe that it all began with one tree. Rooted. In love, I believe, it just takes one tree to start reaching across the aisles, right? It just takes one tree all right to start to start you know um, investing in, in the life of another human being and then all of a sudden they're grafted in to that tree in that same root system. It just takes one tree to be rude to, to, to spread the roots. you know that redwood trees are some of Earth's largest trees, largest trees on the Earth, redwood trees, man, it's pretty amazing, all right? And I don't know if you ever, has anybody ever seen the redwoods over there in California? Some of them I used to live there. We used to live not too far from there and just be blown away. These trees are huge, but they have a very shallow root system. Their root system doesn't go real deep. So how in the world are these, some of the largest trees on the planet, how are they still standing because they've discovered that their roots intertwine with the roots of the other trees around them. This redwood and this redwood, though they may not be the same root system, they, have, they, they they grafted onto each other. They grab the hold of each other and they grab the hold of this guy and don't leave that guy out. What about that little dude? I don't know. He's always talking smack. We'll leave him out. This guy over here, now go get him. All right? You know right. They're, they're all together. And so this idea of being rooted and grounded, it takes, it takes two trees to hold each other tight, amen? All right, so, so when, a, when a brother and sister, is Christ is reaching for you, it does require for you to reach back, amen? While reaching out to other trees. His love for us causes our love for him. And that love demands that we love one another. Why is that even important? Why is that so important? That we reach across the aisles, across the rows, over our preferences and over our judgments, and presumptions of others, why is that important? Look at verse 18, so that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, and the length, and the height, and the depth of this love, man, that Christ, so that we may have strength to comprehend with one another. You see, none of you are the complete package. I am not the complete package. All right. I need the church. I need the church. I need to, I need to know what I don't know. I need to help, you know, to make known what I not 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 understanding. And we need one another, man, to 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 help lift one another up. The whole Bible was written to 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 people, not just a person, but to people. And we need one another to help comprehend for that so that we can have the strength. It requires strength to comprehend with all the saints. We, the scriptures tell us that iron sharpens iron and we need that iron in our life. We end up becoming just a blunt object that we think is just making a difference in the world and it's just doing more harm than good when we need that brother, we need that sister to sharpen one another who needs us to sharpen them and we start refining our tools and we start being more effective, more productive in a loving, an amazingly loving way as we serve the church and the world together. He said, so that we would understand the, the, the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, the, the, the width, the length, how long, how, how wide this love is, how, how long this love is, how deep this love is, and how high this love is. We recognize that it is, that it is wide enough to include everybody, all right? That it is long enough to reach all the way through eternity, that it is deep enough to reach even the worst sinner in life, and that it is high enough to seat us right next to Jesus but we need each other to help understand that. Verse 18 again, may, may, so that we may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth, the length, and height, and depth, verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, all right? That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. To know what, you know what, surpasses being, knowing anything. To know those things that we, all right, without one another will not know. This is a big deal. We can understand that we're filled with the fullness of God. That's a huge statement. And the crazy thing about it is his love is so huge, all right, and so big, he has to give us the strength and unity to understand it. And here we go. He starts winding up, man. In verse 20, he starts winding up, and he says, now to him, all right, who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us. And so many times we open up that scripture because it's huge, that is a huge verse. That is a huge sentence, all right? Yes, now to him who is able to do what? Far more abundantly than anything you could ask. Wait a second, I could ask for a lot far more abundant than you could think. Wait, I could think about a lot. He could do way more than you could ever ask or think. All right, yes, we know that. According to Jesus, yes. According to his Holy Spirit, yes. According to God's sovereign plan, yes. But he throws in according to the power that is at work within you. Now, we, we, we love the, the potential implications of, of, of that verse when we start to think, wait a second, can I raise the dead? Can can, can I heal the sick? Can I cause the blind to see? What if that power that he's talking about right there is first and foremost to do what it seems to be so hard for so many people? What if that power is to love one another the way that Jesus loved you? What if we started right there? We wanna, we wanna step over that so many times and just get to work you know, with these signs and wonders and great miracles. What if in fact, we just started praying that power, that verse right there so that we can love one another? You see, I believe that's what it's for. I, th- I believe, I know that's where it begins. It's because God knew that sin would cause a struggle in our reaching out for other people, to love them genuinely. God knew that sin would cause a struggle. And the enemy knew, the enemy still knows that if we do it, it's an effective witness to bringing more to Jesus Christ. He knows that. See, we know that too. Jesus started in that room with those boys and he shared that, 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 that new commandment. They hung out there for a little bit longer, some amazing teachings through John chapter 13, uh, 14, 15, and 16. And then he gets up to pray with these guys. In John chapter 17, an amazing prayer, that probably take a lifetime to understand if you can even get there. But in the middle of that prayer, he prays for us and he reiterates in his prayer to the Father what he told us as followers. In John chapter 17, verse 20, he prays for us right here in Pine Top. He says, I don't ask for these only. He's talking about his disciples. There's things I'm asking for you, God. I don't, I'm, you know, read the whole prayer of John chapter 17. I'm not asking just for these guys, but also for those in 2021 who will follow me through their word. In other words, the word that they wrote down, the word that they recorded, what we're doing right here. Jesus says, I want to pray for those guys. For those men and women, for those kids. What's his prayer? Look at verse 21 that they may all be one, just as you, Father are in me, and I in you, that they may be one in us. Why? So that the world may know, may believe, that you sent me. That is our witness, our testimony, that Jesus Christ was sent by God, was born of a virgin, lived, did many miracles, taught, and did all kinds of crazy cool stuff, all right? Was arrested, beaten, and crucified, and died, and was buried for three days, and then he rose again, and he is great. God and King, Lord of all things. My God, is he your God? That's your question, all right? But that testimony is this: declared when I love you the way he loved me and when you love everyone else the way he loved you. Jesus is saying that's the testimony we got right there. The glory you've given me, I've given them. That they may be one, and we're going to go deeper in that next week. Even as we are one, in them, I in them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world. He says it again: the world may know that you sent me, and love them, as you love me. What are you going to do with all that? I want you to consider this stuff. I want you to consider this this question. I got a couple. I got a question and four things I want you to trip, trip on. The question is, when was the last time you considered loving a brother or sister in Christ sacrificially and selflessly as Jesus loved you? I'm not talking about those ones that are real close to you, the ones you get along with real great, you like the same music, you kind of do the same things. All right, those are easy. I'm not talking about the one that always hurts you and just smacks you around and does it, you know, I'm not talking about that one either. But there are men and women in, in the body of Christ that you've kind of maybe shied away from or maybe felt like? What I want you to do is these four things right here. Check this out. I want you to think of a few people right now. Number one, think of a few people in the church that maybe God is calling you to love. Picture their faces right now. Picture their faces right now. I'm, I'm gonna try and do this too. That maybe God is calling you to Love. Now I want you to think, number two, of the lengths that Jesus went to through to bring him to himself. Imagine the insults that he went through. Imagine the beatings. Imagine the mocking and the whipping that he endured. Then imagine the cross. It's easy to think about him doing that for you or easier, but he did it for that person that you just tried to picture right now. See, no sacrifice was too great for Jesus to bring that person to himself. Just as no sacrifice was too great to bring you to himself. He did everything possible to redeem them as he did for you. Now, number three, I wanna ask a question. What's holding you back from pursuing them? What's getting in the way? What's causing you to hesitate and reaching out? Is that one thing or maybe multiple things more powerful than the spirit of the living God that lives within you? And finally, number four, prayerfully move in that direction that God's leading you. In other words, do something about it. His love for us causes our love for Him. And that love demands that we love one another. Amen. Verse 21, to Him, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen.